Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. On today's show, I have Joseph Reed, founder and executive director of the organization Broken People. He has a bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary studies and he leads a support group with America's largest grassroots mental health movement, National Alliance on Mental Illness. He is also the author of the book Broken Like Me. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Today's sponsor, Kim Lingling, is another author. Kim is a published author and is a ghostwriter who helps people who want to share their story by making their words sing and helping them become published authors. Get in touch with her by visiting kimlinglangauthor.com today. The link can be found in the episode notes. Hello, Joseph, and welcome to Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today to be a guest. As you know, this podcast aims to be a safe space for victims and survivors of abusive relationships where they can tap into support with challenges that they face and hopefully some inspiration too to help them to heal their lives. I would love and appreciate if we could just start off by talking about who you are and what your journey has been like to bring you to this point where you are doing the work that you are doing now. So welcome, Joseph. Thank you so much for, for having me and thank you for creating a platform for people that struggle who sometimes find it difficult to come out into the light. And um, I think the hardest thing to do is to struggle alone in the dark and, and not letting anybody know about it. But, uh, but you've created a, a window to, to see those people so they can be seen and, and find healing. And I think that's tremendous. So thank you um, for, for creating this platform. Um, my journey has been one of, well, I, my book, Broken Like Me, and my organization, Broken People, you, my, journey has been, my journey has been one of brokenness. And um, I've been struggling with a mental health disorder since second grade. Didn't know that it was a mental health disorder back then in, I believe, 1983 or whatever it was. But please don't try to guess how old I am. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, a teacher had a, had a conversation with my parents that just, they noticed that I was struggling. Um, I struggled with school, uh, you know, sometimes going through entire year, not turning in assignments and just um, not, not being able to know what was going on with myself, only that the fact that I felt broken. And it wasn't until my early twenties when I was doing a lot of journaling and um, just self-destructive behavior that my wife took a stand and said, you know, something's not right here. You need to go get help. And I came home from work that night and she said, uh, either you go to the hospital or I'm going to call the police and have them take you to the hospital. 
so it was really the courage of my wife to kind of stand up and say, something's not right. You know, you know, you're broken. We need to find a way to get you some healing and find a, find a path towards healing. And that was a, it was a very hard uh, experience being in the hospital for those two weeks that I was there. And it's been an extremely painful journey um, for the last, you know, 20, 20 some years um, to the point where I've, I've lost a best friend who, who passed uh, due to his mental illness, um, struggling with, with, with mental illness. And, and that really lit a fire onto me, uh, under me um, to stop the pretending, to stop putting on airs and kind of really reveal what's going on inside of me without really giving a darn what anybody else thinks about it. Because I think there's a lot of people that are struggling in the darkness who just need somebody to, and to stand up above that darkness and the light and say, hey, hey, look at me. I'm broken. I am hurting. It sucks in here. And, and to be more specific about it, like, how are you hurting? Like, and you know, we tell people, you're not alone, you're not alone. And that's great to hear, not really. They wanna see they're not alone. They wanna see your struggle. But we, we wear these masks and we wear our ties and, and we, we wear these lifestyles that just make us impenetrable to human nature. Um, and, and for people to see the humanity that we are. And we, we put these expectations on, on leaders and pastors and teachers and parents, even on children to be something that we're not. We're not robots, we're humans and we're struggling. And you know, one of the things that broken people does is, is we, we deal a lot with mental illness, but, you know, but, but not, it's not only the mentally ill that, that feel broken, it's people that, that are in abusive relationships. I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday who was at one of my meetings where she was in an abusive relationship and she was doing things and being the person that she didn't wanna be in this relationship. And she had all her friends, her best friends telling her, this is not you, this is not good. This guy is a jerk, you leave him. And, and she would make every excuse that she could to stay. And then last night we were able to celebrate with her that she made the decision to pull out of that relationship and, and find healing. So uh, yeah, people from all, all backgrounds struggle from brokenness. It's just a really hidden thing. And I, I wanna nip that in the bud. That's fantastic. And when you got to that point where you uh, went and you were hospitalized, did you find that you had this awareness that helped you to suddenly uh, own your brokenness and to start um, caring for yourself in the way that you needed to be cared for? Or did you find that that time in hospitalization maybe didn't bring the awareness or the education that you needed at that time to start that journey? Where, where were things at for you at that time? Wow, that is such a brilliant question. That is a really great question. So I've been hospitalized in three separate, separate occasions. On the first occasion um, was in 2001, uh, shortly after the, um, the uh, September 11th uh, in 2001, the, the plane tra uh, tragedy here in the United States. And I did not get the help. I did not learn the skills. I did not understand what was going on in the hospital. What they did to me in the hospital was drug me a ton. Um, and I don't, 
my experiences in the hospital were tragic. I experienced some extremely horrific trauma from even being in the hospital. I, I mentioned this in, in the early part of my book to, to connect with the reader. It's in a chapter on Broken 2, um, where there was a worker who had his finger bit off right outside of my door by somebody that was, that was just, and, and I mean, that experience alone just sent me into a major panic attack. Um, there were people having sex in the showers. There were people, there, I woke up one morning and there was a half naked lady next to my bed. This place was out of control. It was insane. I mean, I use the word insane and I'm talking about mental illness and I'm being literal, like it was insane. Um, we've come a long ways in, 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 in 20, 20 years and how we deal with this rather than just drugging people to realize that there's this mending in my book, I, you know, Broken Like Me, uh, an insider's toolkit for mending broken people. We realize that there's so many different facets of our lives that really have to work together. And it's so hard. It's so hard to, you know, especially as somebody that may be dealing with, with a crisis or emotional battle to try to try to make those, that mending happen. And that's why it's so important to have community of people that, that, that love you and that make you feel safe being vulnerable, uh, making you feel safe to share your story, your struggle. Um, because that's, that's where really healing hurts, not from hiding. Healing happens from, from um, you know, communication and exposure and, and honesty. Um, I was just going to say that removing that stigma from it that's, you know, so strongly associated with mental illness and that feeling of being brokenness that you don't want to um, come into the light and have that vulnerability because of the stigma attached to it and the way then that other people will relate to you. I that's more of a statement than it is a question, but <laughs> you, when did you realize that you needed to find community? Yeah. So I, I uh, you know, all the things I put in the book and, I, and I'm not saying this to sell a book, you know, nobody has to buy my book. That's listening to the show. It, it, what I want to communicate to your audience and to you is, is this lifestyle that I chose um, of, of intentionality. And it was, uh, I think around the, the time of 2010. Well, no, no, it was right around the time of the hospital, actually, that first hospitalization, I was really active in my church, in my community, and I was do, 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 doing, because I just thought, you know, if you see a need, you do something, you know? And I thought, well, you know, in, in, in the Christian culture here, where I grew up, it's like, God isn't going to give you more than you can handle. So just do. And what they didn't tell you in, in, with my leadership was you can do too much and that not everything you see is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I was helping friends. I was helping neighbors. I was helping pastors. I was helping anybody I could see that need help because that's, that that's what makes me tick is helping people. But you can't pour water from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. The only thing that cup is going to do is shatter. And that's what I did. I shattered. And after that time in the hospital, I knew that medication wasn't the only thing. And in fact, I, at the time, I didn't think it was anything. I didn't want anything to do with medication. Now I'm on medication and I see the benefits of it when it's incorporated with other healthy lifestyle, lifestyle choices. So I began to do this thing, uh, 
about intentional friendship. So I began uh, intentionally placing people in my life and boundaries around specific people in my life to celebrate and demonstrate those relationships in a, in a very healthy and intentional way. Um, every Thanksgiving, I go through and, and I acknowledge a specific group of people in my life, which I, in the book, refer to as intentional best friends. Again, don't buy the book, just listen and make intentional choices with your life. And, you know, intentional best friendship is all about, you know, loving people where they are, accepting where they are, and having some fun with it. Like finding out who you are, what makes you tick, and then being that person to, to, to your fullest extent with the people that love you and accept you, because they do. And they're just as broken as you are. And sometimes it's hard to see it. But I, I use this phrase relationship, you know, without, a, without the word relate, which is the root word of relationship. And if there's no relating, there's no relationship and that ship won't float. So there has to be that relating in, in, in that community. And I, I began to push away relationships where it was all one-sided, whether me giving or sometimes it's more often than not, it was people that were like having sympathy on me, but wouldn't really open up to me about their struggles. Well, that's not real relationship. That's 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 like medicine, you know. <laughs> that's not relating. And so I've had to push those away. And now I'm in relationships that are mutual, that are equitable. Um, yeah. I love that. I really love that analogy of how, you know, you've said that relationships, what was it that you said about the ship to the, that just yeah. works so beautifully with yeah. making that visual? And yeah, can you just repeat that, Joseph? Yeah. So the root word of relationship is relate. Yeah. And if you can't relate, then the ship won't float. Mm-hmm. You don't connect with people in that way where there's mutuality because how many times have you been in a relationship with somebody and it's like why won't you open up to me why why are you always want to hear my problems and, and you think there's nothing wrong with them you think they must have a perfect life by golly there is something wrong with them they're just not telling you <laughs> and how can you connect how can you relate to that you can't because it's not human it's just not human and you know i i've rejected those you know, I'm still friends, but not, those aren't my closest. In that's community. not, that's not where your energy goes. No, no, because we can, exp- you know, we can expel energy in so many different ways, but when you isolate it to a specific area, it's so powerful and it's so meaningful. Absolutely. There was something that you touched on, which I think is something I'd really love to explore now. And that is you mentioned happiness and joyfulness and I just want to explore this with you about how you found you were able to uh, get back in touch with happiness and with joy when you were grappling with depression Mm -hmm. beautiful question and um, it's something I still do today so um, I'm, I'm a man of faith, like I believe in God and, and, I, and I don't, and broken people is a group of people that, that have faith and don't have faith. It's, it's Republicans and Democrats here, it's gay, straight, black, white, there's, you know, and, and we, we, we give people the, the platform to just share wherever you're coming from without prejudice or judge or judgment. So I'm coming from a perspective of faith and there's a verse in the Bible in the book of James, who just so happens to be the brother of Jesus. So this guy kind of has a good connection to the Jesus guy. 
the Jesus guy, he's like, consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. That's James 1 verses 1 and 2, um, or James 1 verses 2. And what really hit me about that verse is he's not saying, you know, make yourself happy or make yourself joyful. There's, there's no way to do that. Like you can't be in, 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 in the piss and, and crap of life and, 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 and say it doesn't stink, right? But what you can do is consider your options. And when I'm struggling with, with, with a battle, um, like I did last weekend for, for our Independence Day, I was really struggling with some emotional thoughts. I consider happiness as an option. I consider how do I, what do I do to get myself out of this? And, and, and there's nothing, there's really no way to change how you feel or what you believe. Those things aren't, those things aren't decisions. Those are reactions. Those are reactions to truth, reactions to experiences. So we can't change those things. So what do we do? We change what we do. We change what we say. And I may feel like crap, but if I start to speak positivity and encouragement to people around me, if I start to acknowledge the, if I stop pushing away the things that really make me tick, like for example, one of the things I really enjoy is stuffed animals. I have a stuffed reindeer. His name is Sloppy. Sloppy gives sloppy kisses. I got him for my daughter. I love this thing. I snuggle with it. Why would a 45-year-old man have a stuffed animal? It's insane. Yeah, but I love it. Why can't we be honest with this? What things do you love? And we get embarrassed because, you know, what is so-and-so going to think about me when they see that, you know, I collect turtles or I love the color pink or for whatever reason, we, we think we got to pretend to be something that we're not. But if we just acknowledge, you know, one of the things I do, I, I love too, is just playing with Legos. I get so much joy from just building with Legos. You know, or just, you know, or so much peace and relaxation from coloring in a coloring book. Um, you know, I, that's not kid stuff. That's life stuff. That's human stuff. We love to create. We love to experience in, 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 we love to hold soft things, you know, and there's, there's no embarrassment there. And, and if I got to be the one to stand on the mountaintop, hold my stuffed animal up and say, Yes, I love sloppy. It, it's got to be done. You know, you, you like things that people are going to think you're weird. The smell of gasoline or the smell of donuts or, you know, eating raw cookie dough. Who knows what the things that you enjoy are, but they're, if you deny those things, if you deny yourself and, and the things that you truly like and you hide those, will you ever be happy? Because what is, how do you define happiness if you can't really hold on to the things that truly do make you happy? Like, no, it's not going to happen. So we got to change what we do. And then how we feel and what we believe begins to shift subtly. And that's why I think journaling is so important. I talk about journaling for a hundred pages in my book and in scientific proof behind how this, this cognitive behavior that we, that, we, that we do when we're journaling has such a profound impact on our physical bodies, on our minds, and, and, uh, and, and, and so much. It's just, it's powerful. There's so much recorded the data out there scientifically about the effectiveness of journaling or living a journaling lifestyle, which is just self-reflection, you know? Yeah. So now I'm a, no a huge, huge advocate for, for journaling. So I've actually produced a few uh, journals that 
um, uh, on the marketplace to help people with exercises in gratitude and in just getting in touch with that, you know, what they want deep down inside and allowing those things to rise to the surface rather than keeping keeping a lid on it and I really appreciated how you talked about action that that is we can be driven by our emotions and Mm -hmm. depression is such a powerful emotion and it's it's like Mm -hmm. a heavy weight it's like carrying around a heavy weight and that's why depression can keep you stuck because it's this heaviness that is upon you. And, um, and if you are just going with the emotional weight of what you're carrying, then you don't feel like doing anything. You don't feel like acting in a different way or trying something else because this weight is just on top of you. And it's, really challenging to try and consciously do anything but go with that emotion at that time so I think having this conversation and talking about strategies like you've suggested and saying there are things that you can do and they're not hard things either it could be reconnecting with something that is comforting like you were talking about your snuggly your thing for snuggly (laughs) toys and stuff you know get you you need to get back into that physicality and and actually taking some action and doing something physical and I love all those strategies and strategies that I use too and I think that um we need to keep things simple when when we're carrying a heavy weight. We trying to do anything that is like seems like a giant leap is seems to be too much. But if we just try and remember that we can just start with doing something really simple that will just have that help to nudge us a little bit mm-hmm. out of that energy and into a different energy, then we're mm-hmm on the right path we're back on the right path again to help us to overcome those feelings so um yeah anxiety and depression can be can be absolutely crippling and can hold a person captive in their life so you talked about this time of uh, coming out of that first experience and you said that you had some other experiences I'm just interested to know where you first started having a positive experience because that first experience as you described it in going into hospital was fraught with um, trauma and yeah. um, and was quite like how did you come out of that experience you know did you come out with anything that helped to shift you apart from like you had the medication was the medication enough to sort of get you onto a manageable path or were there still aspects that of things that you needed to learn about first to get you to where you are now yeah so one of the positive things you know all of those mental health professionals and even the people that you know 
that were involved directly with the trauma, traumatic experiences I had, we're all broken, we're all broken people. And they were just doing the best they could. They were doing what they could with what they knew. And, and I was doing what I could with what I knew. One of the things that I took away from that experience was I didn't die. I was on a path before I went to the hospital where I was trying to convince myself to end my life. Mm-hmm. And that experience very well could have saved my life. Um, I don't know what would have happened had I not been there. Um, with that said, that's all it did. <laughs> I, I, I learned nothing. Um, no, actually I did. I re-engaged with, with a, wow, I just thought of this. I re-engaged with, with a longtime passion of mine uh, that I used to use dealing with my anxiety when I was younger, which was drawing mazes. I'm, I, uh, I began drawing mazes in second grade and re- elaborate mazes um, that were workable in, in very complex ways. So I began working that, on that again, that experience because they gave me a pen and a paper and they said, draw. And I began to realize that, wow, drawing is really a helpful thing. So that was a pretty significant thing that I began in the next six years to, to use drawing as, as a coping skill um, until I got to some really amazing coping skills uh, where I began to, uh, I was working with a guy and he says, well, I know a therapist. So I connected with this therapist who, who taught dialectical behavior therapy, which I call social skills for dummies. It's like, I, didn't, I don't know, like I don't practically know, I don't have the common sense to know how to behave around what's socially acceptable to behave around people. Now I do know, but I don't care. I still be myself. Like <laughs> you don't talk about stuffed animals and I don't care. I'm just going to be me. But at least I have the confidence. I've built up the confidence to know that that's okay. And I have no idea what your question was because I just had a major ADD moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually didn't take my medication yet today. Uh, so how's that working for you? Unless <laughs> right before you, it just happened. It's completely blank. <laughs> No, it's perfectly fine. You actually did answer the question because I I asked you whether you came out of that initial experience with any skills to help you um, manage your depression, um, whether there was a difference or was there something else that happened sort of further along the journey or has it been a gradual learning as you've gone along that you've just... um, once you've sought help, you know, that whole thing of seek and you will find. And when you allowed yourself to seek support, then that's when your journey began with getting the wisdom that you needed to help you to live a life that uh, still brings you joy you know, and acceptance, I guess that self-acceptance of here I am exactly as I am in this brokenness. And mm-hmm. this is, this is okay. This is okay for me to go through life in my brokenness and Hey, there's lots of us out there. So yeah. yeah so let's support each other and let each other know that it's okay to be broken and we can still live a meaningful life with this brokenness yeah i wrote an article about that actually there's a there's a common thing you know that goes around and says it, it's it's okay to be not okay 
And I wrote an article recently that said it's also not okay to be not okay. So what I mean by that is there are people that go through life struggling and suffering, and they just accepted that as their reality, who do nothing about it. Like, that's not okay. Like, there are things you can do. And I want to encourage everybody that within the sound of my voice, there are things to do to improve your quality of life. It's not okay to just just to stay and suffer meaninglessly because there are there, you know, there are people to talk to that can really help improve your life. You can get my book, you can get these journals. Please put a link to your journal in, in the notes to this. I would love to get one of those. Um, it sounds amazing. It sound, they sound like prompting journals, which I talk about in my book um, because a lot of times you don't know what to write. So you write in those. There are so many things you can do to make your situation better. And there is a light on the other side. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm working towards it and I'm gonna be fighting the whole way through. Beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And uh, what you were just talking about rings true with um, the victim mentality. And so becoming a victim is a very, very real thing. It, um, you don't ask to uh, enter into an abusive relationship. You yeah find yourself in a, an abusive relationship um, and that victim state can stay with you and what victim states basically say is that you've been robbed of having any choice. So I think this is a little bit what you're talking about when you're saying it's not okay to be you know, not okay and just, you know, yeah. accept that as being your lot in life. Right. That's um, that you need to actually say, I am a person of free will and no matter how limited my life may be and may appear, there's still got to be some choices and that choice may start with, what am I doing for myself? What can I do to help myself with my self-care? You know, it, it's something simple like that that shows you that you are worth finding a choice for. You are worth more than staying stuck with misery and unhappiness. Would you agree with that, Joseph? Yeah, yeah, and I think there's a there there. How could I not agree with that? That's amazing, um, and and I think there's a I think there's a hint there too that you were touching on a little bit earlier with with depression being emotion and, and all the emotions that come along with trauma is that word emotion inside of that emotion. I, I've always thought that motion is the number one enemy to depressive states to depression by not, by like, say you woke up this morning and you didn't want to like do a podcast with me today. Like by doing the podcast, you are fighting that you are motioning yourself forward. And no matter what, no matter how small forward is forward, whether it's looking forward, whether, you know, and, and you, you, you hit it so beautifully. It's the little decisions, you, you know, there's a, there's this thing called debt snowball where you start small and you pay off the smaller ones until you get the bigger, bigger, bigger ones. 
seriously when it when it, if you're in a if you're in a if you're in an abusive relationship or if you're dealing with any kind of crisis if you're feeling broken in any way start stupid small yeah. do the small things about self-care be honest with your friends build build healthy friendships um in, in small ways and small small touches of love that you think would be meaningful to you reach out in that way to other people and then you'll begin to be able to once you get those wins those those little tiny wins saying oh i sent this note out today just telling somebody about my struggle then they can get bigger and bigger and bigger and, and you know i just wrote a 300 page book i'm not an author well i am now technically but i was never <laughs> meant to be my friend, yes you are <laughs> you have to yeah, start owning that now <laughs> i know but my, my friend he died he he took his life and that huge tragedy began to propel me in small ways towards this this huge thing of writing a book i never thought it would ever happen but it here it is but you got to start small and let that let that snowball happen in in your victories and then celebrate please if you remember anything smell celebrate which is what you do with your nose you celebrate with your nose you celebrate with your life <laughs> please that. celebrate those wins and bring your community <laughs> around with you. Don't do it alone. Let people know and and celebrate with with your community and that that's so impactful. So true. There's uh, there is so many times where something significant can happen to us and we just carry on without celebrating it. We just keep yeah. going and oh, just, yeah. we have to do something to acknowledge that thing as being an accomplishment in our life it yeah. is okay to accomplish things it's good and it's okay to celebrate them i think this is also part of that um being in survival mode and i think mm -hmm. you know mental health issues kind of keeps you on that edge of surviving through your life rather than um, then thriving because you're yeah. you're grappling with um, these depressive and um, the mental health issues. So, um, so something can happen to bring you back, and when it does, it's really important to have the right support to know. And so you were talking about. I love the things that you've said. Last week's episode was all about. Um, taking little baby steps and mm -hmm. our little baby steps can take you miles and miles when you just keep taking those little baby steps. So small steps are really can be so powerful, but it is about keeping you in that forward motion. And I talk about the circle of um, that life is cyclic and you can either, the motion can either be spiraling and, and bringing you down or you can be spiraling and going up in your life. So, yeah. yeah. So very much in agreement with those things that you've said. And um, just, I would love it if you can share some of, uh, you've spoken about journaling and how journaling is um, so important, that you feel it's so important. Could you just perhaps guide um, the listeners through how you would go about journaling when you are wanting to get something out with this emotion that you're grappling with and you want to get it out onto paper can you just 
describe what that looks like for you? Sure, but before I do, like I know this is an audio recording. I wish the listeners could see your smile. Like you're just like, you're just lighting up and it's just, it's, it's so wonderful to see. And uh, yeah, I just wish they could see that. So there's, Aww. if you're listening to this, she has a huge smile and it's fantastic. And, and but yeah, so there are a couple things I do. Um, the, the simplest thing I do with a journal is, um, and I forget the name of what I call it, but I just, I just write what I think. So uh, I don't, if you know the name of that, let me know, remind me what it is, but I just literally don't take the pen off the paper and I just write every Intuitive. thought. Yes, yeah. Intuitive writing or, or intuitive journaling. Um, that is really helpful because, because your mind will take you on a journey. Um, but then I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to open a huge can of worms, but this is a powerful tool that I use. Um, and I, and I, I describe it in my book. So not to sell more books or make any more money, but this is a great thing in my book, uh, Broken Like Me. Um, there, are, there are four pillars um, that help me refocus my emotions. I one time made a list of all the things that were important to me. And then I broke them down into categories and categories that, you know, where did they basically fit? And for me, they fell into four categories, God, health, family, and Joe is number four. Um, so my friends fall under the Joe category. My medicine falls under the health category, exercise under health category. Um, my, my devotions and prayer fall under the gad, but they all kind of connect to each other. So what I did with this every day when I don't know what to journal and I don't know what to do because my mind is just so clouded and I feel so dark, I just go to that basic diagram I make four columns, God, health, family, Joe. And I make sure I put one thing under each category that I can do to improve these four very important parts of my life. And then I make a list and then I do them. And it can be something really simple. But, but the really cool thing about this list that I, I don't think I've told anybody before, maybe I bring it up in the book a little bit, is I draw a square and I put God, health, family, Joe on each side. And I imagine that square being a brick. And every day that I do something that fits one of those important parts of who I am, I'm adding another brick. And if you add enough bricks, you can build a house and you can build a house that is steady and sturdy. And I began to see as I was journaling now for, I think I have 25 journals at my house right now over the years, spanning, you know, years and years and years and years. You know, I can go back and I don't journal every day, uh, but I, there are some days I'll go back to like 2004. Like, I wonder if I was doing anything on this day. You know, it's really unique to go back and see the struggles that you had back then and to realize, I don't even remember struggling with that, but to see that you came out the other side of it. And, and, and as you begin to identify, and I don't want to get off topic too much, but like those bricks, you can, and, and every page that I did and every day that I did one of those, I began to imagine like building this better me because I know these things are important to me. Um, how I eat is so important and that falls under health, but it also falls under God too, right? Because they talk about gluttony and serving the God of food or whatever, you know, they all are so connected. Well, that brick isn't four different bricks. It's one brick that's tightly bound together so it can build a stable and sturdy foundation, which is who I wanna be. I do wanna be stable. I just wanna be stable with my stuffed animal. 
I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. So when that big bad wolf comes and tries to huff and puff and blow my house down, ain't going to happen mm. because I've built up this strong and nurtured and healthy self mm. through recognizing what makes me God, health, family, joy. I have another friend. He has six things. Um, and I walk the, you know, in the book, I walk the reader through all these things I'm telling you in a, in, at the end of every chapter, I have this thing called utilization. Y-O-U, utilization. How do you take these concepts? Don't do them like me, because if you do them like me, you're not going to have the same successes. We're different people. How do you take the concept of journaling and make it your own? Um, how do you take friendship and do it your way? And I walk the reader through a process of making this process your own. A lot of self-help readers will say, I'm sorry, a lot of self-help writers will say, do this and you'll have the same success I did. Never, never. I'm a six foot four, tall, gumpy looking guy. You're not gonna be six foot four and tall and gumpy and like me. But if you take these concepts and you make them your own, if you utilize them, powerhouse, powerhouse, you're building a stronger you because you're doing it. You're making it your own. You're building your own story. You're building your own home and it's gonna be beautiful. Yeah, I love driving down streets where all the homes are different. You know, you go to some of these towns and they, I think they call them toy towns or whatever, all the houses are the same. I don't want to live there. I want to live in a place where all the houses are different and, and all the yards are different. It's such a beautiful place. Um, and I think that's where the strength of diversity happens when there's so much beauty in the diversity. And I want to talk for like 20 more minutes on the subject, but I'm not going to. And I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> It was I'm like, sorry. boom, boom, all these, you know, yeah. fantastic things that you dropped in there. And the, the number one that I will mention now is the word utilize. That is such a brilliant word. A lot of people will say take action, but mm -hmm. taking action and utilizing something uh, to vastly different things when you're utilizing something, you're making really good use of it. Oh, yeah, nice. But when you're taking action, you're just doing something. Yeah, like doing a job or something. Like it's yeah, it's, yeah, so, but you're much more attached when you're utilizing it because you're actually oh. saying, you're personalizing it and you're saying, well, how can I actually make the best possible use of this for me? Mm -hmm to take me yeah. forward. I think that's a brilliant word. And I want it to be for anyone who's listening, write that word down and put it into a question. And how can I utilize this to serve me or to help me with what right. I'm going -O -U. through? Why are you utilize? How do you make it yours? Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. That's such a, a fantastic word. And you have given and you have given and you have given so much in the course of this conversation. Is there anything else I'm just going to say, I'm going to throw it to you, Joe, and say, is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? Anything that you think is really going to help them with their challenges? Oh, I, I just, I, I'm working on my audio book right now. And I'm recording it myself. And as I go through it, um, you have to edit your book so that it's 
applies to a, a listener as opposed to a reader. Like you don't say turn the page in an audiobook. So I was just reading the section again um, where I talk about finding this best friend you never knew you had. And I go to the principle that was taught by Jesus. This, this, this one of the, the two greatest commandments that, that Jesus says, a person that's accepted in several different religions across the world. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And what Jesus says there, he, what, I, what I often think is, Jesus is saying is love your neighbor more than yourself and more than you currently are and more than you ever possibly ever could. But that's not what he said. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. So he creates a baseline there. He says, love yourself and love your neighbor that way too. If I don't love myself very much, I'm not going to be able to love my neighbor very well. You can't give from your nothingness. And I think that is for everybody out there that is dealing with trauma or abuse, there is nothing that you're going to be able to do or say to that person that is abusing you that is going to fix them. They have to make a change yourself. You can, you, you can change things that you do for you, but you have to love yourself. And by doing that, sometimes you got to take some pretty extreme action. You, sometimes you got to leave. Sometimes you got to keep yourself safe. Sometimes you got to make things. You got to get the help through friends or professionals, whatever, whatever that may look like. It, for people that struggle with mental illness, like, like I do, you know, putting yourself in a hospital, locking yourself away for a period of time. I lost my house because I was in a hospital and couldn't afford to pay the bills. But I knew in the long run that price I paid has now paid dividends because I wrote a book and I'm leading a, 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 an organization for broken people that's in 43 countries right now. And I'm, I'm loving people. And, and, and here's, an, here's, a, here's another thing that I, that I think is really fantastic, you know, in terms of things that Jesus said that are, that are really powerful is in Matthew 25 verse 40, he says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And let's never make it about trying to be famous or trying to reach, you know, a million followers. What, what I'm trying to do here with, with you, Sandy, is just connect with you and, and maybe one of, your lead, one of your listeners. If we do it for just the next person mm. that, that, that we're responsible for, if we just do it for that one. Jesus talked about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal son. It was just the one person, right? It was all it ever was. Yeah. Then more than likely, it's going to affect more than that one person. But we can't do that. We can't anticipate that. All I can do is just love who's in front of me, which is you. Mm. Um, and that's how I wrote the book. I wrote the book to one person, yeah. knowing that if I can reach that one person, then maybe I can reach um, a few more. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Just yeah. be faithful to your story. Be vulnerable. Be honest. Mm. It starts with being honest with yourself, which is pretty hard, actually. Mm. And a journal, journal is a fantastic place to be honest with yourself. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I said anything that makes any sense right now, but... <laughs> That's what I was in my heart. That's what I, I, was I think that what you've given is absolutely beautiful and um, and inspirational too. So I know I'm feeling very emotional at the end of this conversation, and I am so very very grateful to Joseph for 
um, for sharing things so vulnerably and honestly to be that example that being real is all we need to be. And mm. I think that um, coming from that place of brokenness, that there is mending. And I think you talk about that too, it, that things can be mended. And that was one thing when you first contacted me, I'm a recycler. One of the things that I did when uh, I was in the thick of an abusive relationship is I had to get really resourceful. And mm. so I've always loved old things, antiques and vintage stuff. I don't know if you can see like bits and bobs in my background. Yep, I do. I do. So I've found that I had a real knack for finding things in thrift shops and at yard sales. I think you, you guys call them yard sales. Yep, and yep. then I'd on sell these things. And one of the things that I loved about what I was doing was that I was giving something that would otherwise go into landfill I was giving it back its value. I was yeah. picking it because the, the next stop after the thrift shop or the next stop after the yard sale was going into the trash or into the rubbish. And mm -hmm. that basically equals landfill. So what I mm -hmm. felt good about was that I was salvaging things. And mm -hmm. so much of this society that we live in is about things being disposable mm, and wow. they just get thrown away so if you're mm. in the too hard basket you're so close to feeling as though your life is just worthless but mm. it's not the case you know if we go back and it's just the society that we live in. And I believe that there's a correction that needs to take place, that we mm -hmm. need to remember that things can be mended, that things that are broken are not landfill, that things that are broken just need a bit of tender, loving care. They need a bit of attention and they need a bit of a repair job. And when we yeah. go about taking the time to do that for each other we come back to being something whole and beautiful and mm. of immense value but it's just that that value yeah. is being forgotten and yeah that's very much my philosophy in in life and that's very much the way I see the way we are with each other as people too yeah. and that we really need to remember that although we might be broken, we can still be mended. Yeah. And if I can just highlight a community of people that really fit the bill with that, you know, beyond people that deal with trauma or feel brokenness, is our elderly. You know, mm -hmm. these are people that have lived full lives, they have so much to offer and 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 get to a point that the, the rate of elderly depression and, and suicide is just staggering. These are, are, are beautiful people that need to be remembered. And if you can do anything 
for, for somebody, like if you're on the other side of, of, you know, somebody that deals with trauma, with crisis, with abuse, you know, somebody that's struggling with depression or, or brokenness by remembering them and then doing something about that memory, checking in on them. Don't let them go missing. A lot of times people like myself or people that are in crisis or experiencing trauma will pull back from relationships because they don't want to be a burden on other people. And if you're on the outside of that, remember the people that used to be around. Remember, especially the, the, our elderly, because they don't always have a voice. And, and I think society sometimes throws them away when there's so much value there. But in, 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 in your community and in your audience, the people in crisis, you know, are there other people that may be in crisis that are struggling too that, you know, remember who they are and take action and, and begin to be a part of that mending because mending is not just one stitch. It's, it's many stitches that come together. It's not just my book. It's not just healthy eating. It's not just medication. There's so many little things, sunlight, doctors, laughing, crying, all these things that all these beautiful little stitches that come together that bring us together to create these beautiful things called us. What a gorgeous conversation we've had. Uh, can you please leave some links for your for the listeners to find you, Joseph? Sure. Yes, my website is www.broken-people.org. Fantastic. And from there, you can find a link to the book on Amazon. You can find, there's really only three things to do on that website. You can click on, I feel broken. I love someone that feels broken. Or you can go to the book website. From those two places, it begins to take you on a journey towards healing or helping somebody that heals. It's just, I made this website. I'm not a web designer. I'm not an author, but apparently I am both now. Um, and, you know, I just thought, what, what works for me? When I wrote the book, I was like, what would I want to hear? Um, and I think, there's a, I think there's a message in, in for everyone that's hearing my voice right now. There's a message in that for everyone. What would Absolutely work brilliant. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Joseph. And for the listeners, I'll just make mention too that the link that Joseph just shared that will be in the episode notes for you to find also. So thanks, Joseph. My pleasure. And, and thank you for creating this platform. Please put that diary, that, that journal in the, in the notes too, because I would love to, to, for the listeners to be reminded of that and see that. I'd love to see it. Journaling is powerful. I will. I will. All right. We'll take care. We'll have to have another conversation again another time. All right, toodles. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. I'm just going to leave you with the top tips from today's episode of which there were so many. So the first one, if you are feeling broken, it is so important for you to have a community of people that you feel like they love you. They make you feel safe to share your struggles and be vulnerable. Next, one of the keys to breaking free from a victim mindset is to be intentional with your day, with your thoughts and with your actions. 
And the next point, remember that you can't drink water from an empty cup. This is just a reminder that you cannot give and give and give of yourself without replenishing and taking care of your own needs. Number four, look at who you are surrounding yourself with in your life. Are they helping you to replenish your cup? Or are they draining whatever may be left in your cup? Maybe you don't have anyone because you have become so isolated because of the relationship you are in. Maybe it's time to look at how you can connect with people who are going to give you something back to help you become stronger. Number five, the ship of relationships will not float without two people relating to each other in an open and honest and vulnerable and real way. Number six, to try and find happiness again when dealing with depression, you can try and change your actions and watch your emotions catch up with you. Be okay with what you need at that moment without worrying about what other people will think of you. Number seven, journaling is a fantastic tool to help you heal, grow and develop. Number eight, drawing or coloring is another wonderful therapeutic tool you can use. It has a very calming effect. Number nine, don't settle for not being okay. There are supports out there. There are things that you can do to improve the quality of your life. Number 10, the victim state can keep you in a place of being okay with not being okay. But it is important to understand that although your choices may be limited, that you are still able to choose something as basic as choosing to take the best possible care of yourself as a starting place. Number 11, start small with what you do to move forward. When you get the small wins, the wins will get bigger and bigger as you go along. Number 12, celebrate your wins. Number 13, intuitive journaling where you write everything down by just letting your thoughts flow out of you is a great technique for getting in touch with what is happening under the surface and getting it outside of yourself. Number 14, Joseph describes a technique he has in his book where he has four pillars to build a list of what he can do. This helps him create some steps to help him rise up out of depression. Number 15, you are you, you are unique. Don't try and mimic exactly what someone else is doing. Make what you do tailor-made to you and what works for you. Number 16, start with loving yourself. The more that you love yourself, the more you will be able to love others too. Number 17, remember your value by taking steps to mend your life. 
Just because you are broken doesn't mean you can't be fixed. Just because you feel broken doesn't mean you aren't of value. I hope that these tips help and I hope that this interview inspires you to rise and shine. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side who share their stories and insights as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com 
www.ghostbusiness.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe. Sandy.